0: What is the main thing as a coach? It's not sales, it's not marketing, it's product. It's making your stuff, create results. You take care of that, even though it might be longer term, the sales cannot take care of themselves. I wanna start with something today. So the joker says, if you're good at something, you never do it for free. I disagree. I say, if you're good at something, you give it away for free, given that you are a coach wants to get leads. So one of my friends, Christian, he has been seeing what I did for maybe two or three years. He's been on Twitter, but he's just never built anything there. And he said, dude, I'm tired. What do I do? And I told him, okay, this is not going to do anything unless it hurts. Cause you know what to do. You've read all this stuff. So how about you send me some amount of money that kind of hurts. And then, um, over the 30 days, if you complete the action that you promised yourself, you take, which was outreach. I will send you one thirtieth of that money back. But if you don't do it, then for that day, you don't get any money, right? So <clears throat> every day he does it, it's 1 plus to the money I have to return. Now, he's been doing this for like a week. And what I told him to do was exactly what I told you to do. Do free work, whatever it does, whatever it takes. Just do free work and ask for nothing in return. So he did free work for around three people. No, I'm, I'm kidding you. Maybe like, 15 now, out of those 15, he got two calls from that outbound approach. 15 DMs, two calls, not bad. People hop those calls excited. They're grateful. They're like, dude, this is really good work. Thank you. What's your process look like? So the joker says, you're good at something, never do it for free. I say, give it away for free. This is how you make the money. And I think this is a really cool approach if you're um, just like, you know, you're starting out, you're kind of seeing, okay, what am I good at? What do people value? Well, maybe do something for free. They will value that. It doesn't scale that well, but at the beginning, you got to do things that don't scale. So in a way, Christian, this is me congratulating you and every, and telling everybody, this was really good.
1: This is good stuff.
0: So there you go. Give it away for free. You'll make money.
1: Yeah, when I first started, when I was in the uh, the Cash the cash Dojo. Yeah, the Cash Dojo, because I know you changed the name a bunch. Um, yeah, the that, cash that was my low-ticket community, by, by the way. Best community ever. I wish it still existed. I, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, I was doing free trials, and I remember I had put it in the wins column. I was like, I just got three free trials. Um, and it's interesting, because even though they didn't turn into long-term clients, the screenshots that I acquired from those free trials of quote-unquote testimonials, right? Like, I just got a couple leads from this. I, I made some money here. Those screenshots from those free trials kind of catapulted my content, uh, social proof, into eventually getting paid clients because in the DMs for paid clients, I was able to send those screenshots of those uh, free clients, whether it was analytics, whether it was their cash wins, whether it was anything that they had gotten. So that for those free trials catapulted kind of my career as well. So, first uh, And they're never going to ask, well, good. did they pay you? Like, they're never going to ask that,
0: yeah. yeah. you know, but a quick, quick one on that one. So when you got those clients for free, what was the pitch like? Because if you, somebody pitched me for free, just being honest to me, it'd be like, okay, what's, what's the catch?
1: Yeah. So mine was, um, I actually did not pitch it for free and maybe this is uh, something that people can do when they're pitching something. I actually just pitched it the same way that I pitched the paid stuff. Uh, and then when they replied and they gave me a price objection, I would then give them, let me give you a free trial and show you that you're going to make money from this. They did not make money from it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I got testimonials. You got your foot first. in the door, man. I got my foot in the door and I got my skills up, which is the most important thing is actually being good at stuff. Uh, my skills were up. I got some screenshot testimonials of wins, you know, follower wins, analytic wins, et cetera, leads. Um, And I was able to use that skill and experience to then get paid clients, then I get actual results. Uh, So I just pitched it paid and then waited for a price objection because I was like, I'm going to get money if they're willing to pay. And if they're not willing to pay, I was going to go free. So that's how I did that. I like that. And I think it was a
0: good mindset shift that you made. Was that because it came like, did you come up with it or did
1: you read it somewhere else? The free trial thing or the... The idea, uh, the the way I did it, just kind of came naturally. But the free trial idea uh, was just kind of from. I feel like at the time, it was the beginning of this space, so uh, I was starting to see it trickle down. And you had mentioned, it, and a couple other people had mentioned, but the way in which I pitched it was just kind of natural. And I was also just I needed more clients. I had like one one paid one or two paid clients, and I was just like I am sending a hundred DMs, and then I have like eight other hours in the day. Like I need to be doing. Like I need to be writing to get better at writing. So I just like, I need to get free clients. And then I had like five clients. So then, you know, you just exponentially increase the time that you increase your skill. You know, if you have more clients. The way I got my first paid client
0: was I said, this doesn't work anymore. Personally, I don't think it works anymore. But what I did was send a Google doc in which it had clients' names, posts, and then I would blur Uh, the actual Google Doc. Now, on the Google Doc, I might as well just say this. Just type and just say fucking nothing. It was just random letters, but I blurted it so it looked like I had written something. And I said, hey, I wrote five posts for you. You're willing. You you can use it if you'd like, right? Most people said no, but two or three said yes. And the moment I got the notification of yes, I just sat down and I started writing because I thought just, you know, get your foot in the door, figure it out along the way. And you know, I send them, and they're like, "Oh, this is pretty good. Let's let's hop on a call." It was kind of, I mean, it was kind of cheating, cheating. But like, you got to figure till you make it, man. Sometimes I, I posted this um, on on today on Twitter. So I I've, I think I've told this story in the podcast before. But I used to be in the Guatemalan national volleyball team, and I was not supposed to be there. The reason why it's because in my country, if you have slanted eyes like me, you get called Chino. That's just kind of like your you like your nickname. And uh, there was another Chino in my school. Way better than me, way taller, way more athletic. He was just better than me. But one day I was, this is also kind of another point, be in the right place at the right time. I was at the Federation just kind of playing on a corner, like, you know, like a weirdo. And I had my school uniform on. So the coach of the national team comes up to me. He's like, yo, are you, are you like, Chino from your school? I've heard great things about you. And like, I knew I wasn't, but deep down I'm like, Coach, have you seen my eyes? Do I look like Latino to you? Of course, I'm Chino. and that's <laughs> how I got into the nationality of Guatemala. So, today so you just gotta, you know, just gotta play those little
1: tricks. Be, be, be moving be smooth about it. That's why I have a, I, I want to come back to that on a point. Um, I want to come back to that as a, on a content point as I finish the the free trial point. Um, it's funny, uh, I. <laughs> I feel like when you're starting out, it's just like when you said you're sending those five tweets, you just need anything. You just need something. You need some substance. You need any win. I remember the screenshots that I were tweeting. out. you can probably go back and find them on my profile from a year ago. The testimonial screenshots I were tweeting out was like my client would send me a message and say, I think I got a lead from that tweet. And I'd be like, screenshot. And then I'd put it on the timeline. My client thinks he got a lead from my tweet. I'm like yes, and now it's it's just crazy because now we you know we tweet out testimonials of like clients getting tens of thousands, hundred thousand a month. That's a, that's what the testimonial was back in the day. It was I think I got one subscription, like one eight <laughs> <The>, dollar a month. <laughs> the the fellow posts is, hey guys, update.
0: My client is actually pretty certain that he got a lead from my. <laughs>
1: The guy will be like, I think I got one $7 a month lead. And I'm going to be like, by the way, guys, if you're a founder or CEO, I can get you a hundred K a month. <laughs> As you can Dude. see, I got $7.
0: <laughs> you got to do it. And I think that it was like, if we put crystallize this mindset that you had and I had, and Christian had in one sentence is shifting your focus from how do I get my first client to how do I, how do I get my first piece of tangible proof? yeah i think that's a good way to look at it how do i get proof instead of how do i get clients how do i get proof because if you get the proof then other like the clients come easy right kind of get into your foot in the door that's kind of kind of hard but once you get the proof that's pretty much it just as the tinder cindler you know no business thing <laughs> or two <about> it. yeah
1: <laughs> I, I think business is it's really just uh the continuous gathering of social proof and then just recycling that into clients whether it's referrals or marketing with the social proof you just always gathering social proof all time, no matter what business model you're in. You're just always gathering that, and then it grows by word of mouth, referrals, testimonial marketing, etc. And that's kind of how Tim got in the door, too. You remember Tim,
0: the TikTok dude? Yeah, he's coming to Bali. I'm going to meet up with him. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, um, so Tim, the TikTok dude, he sent free work for Sephora. Is it Sephora or Sephora? You know, the jewelry? Sephora. 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 Okay, so Sephora. He sent uh, some, some free work they ended up hiring him to like, he used to blast. Hey, I work with Sephora. By the way, are you, are you work with Sephora? You, that strategy, that's the one we use for Sephora. Just, just name dropping yeah. constantly. Yeah. And people are like, oh, that's cheesy and like, whatever. But it, it, it kind of works. You know, it kind of works. Like, it, it does play, which kind of leads me to think, Marcus,
1: what well, we should get more guests in this podcast. We should, we should get more people inside. It's just you and I me. Mean, like, yeah. We, we should, should totally name dropping. Yeah, we should totally do like the uh, the one-on-two kind of thing. It would probably it probably do really well, and we probably could come up with a good good amount of questions. And some good yeah, you mean the threesome? We should totally... Yes. The is threesome. that what you mean? We should totally yeah. just do a threesome? Yeah. <laughs> conc- I can... Conc- comment if you want to see someone on the podcast, and then we'll reach out to them with our cold DM strategy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We want... We'll say, hey, you thought for a threesome, that's going to be the, the subject, right? And then we're going <laughs> to... Gonna... This is a perfect segue into the virality thing I wanted to talk about. And it kind of relates to the, your volleyball story because I don't know if you've tweeted it before, but I think I've realized a lot, of, a lot of that goes on on like, different platforms is you really want people to kind of stop in their tracks when they see your post, whether it's a tweet, it's a reel, it's whatever. You want people to stop in their tracks and actually take the time to consume your post because i think i've realized after consuming a while um i think half the battle is getting them to actually stop and watch or read your your post so for example i had a thread that went out last night or sorry this morning eastern time um and i went to bed and it had like I don't know, 10 likes i i had tweeted i was like how does this have 30 bookmarks and 10 likes you guys are all sickos And then I I woke up and it had like 4,000 or 3,000 bookmarks. It's it's blowing up right now. But I think what made it do well is that it stopped people in their tracks because the first line is just zero to 65K a month in one year, period. These are the only nine threads that I bookmarked. And I think one is it's pretty unique because I kind of came up with that by myself. Two, I think people stop in their tracks. They're like, that was quick, low attention span. Like, let's open this and go through and it's super quick to consume. And I was thinking with your volleyball story, um, you can get people to stop in their tracks with really good media. So for example, if you had uh, if you had a thread about that, a story thread, right? I think the secret of a story thread and, and, many, and many other different kinds of posts is getting them to stop on the timeline, especially with Twitter. There's only like three or four posts per scroll on the average phone length. Because how long, how big is a phone, right? Eight inches or so. You can actually get that to take up the entire screen. I figured this out and this is the sauce for this episode, is I figured out you can actually take up the entire iPhone 12 to iPhone 14 regular version screen with one post if you have big enough pictures and enough lines. So if you can get them to stop in their tracks, take up their entire screen, and have a captivating enough photo with your thread, they will then read your entire... They'll then click and read your entire thread. So for you, I was thinking like, imagine it was you, Chino, going up with a a volleyball spike with your face like... Like, have you ever seen Haiku, the anime? Oh, imagine it was (laughs) like—I'm just thinking, like the picture. The difference between that thread for it to go viral and not go viral would be how good is that picture? Because if it was a sick, like Haiku-style JK in the air, ready to spike it, versus if it's just you standing there, you can imagine it would do much better. So, I wanted to go into that on on the virality side. I don't know if you've had any luck or any thought on on what has worked for you and what hasn't in terms of getting a lot of engagement.
0: I actually just read a, a tweet today. It was this dude, which, by the way, like he he had a few good tweets. He, I think his name is Louis. Louis, um, Louis, something. Anyway, he tweeted the secret to virality, and it's just a screenshot of just a bunch of platitude accounts retweeting your shit. And was all I got. That's like the entirety of the ghostwriting industry right there. But he had another one which said, "Your long posts, you know, long form didn't go viral." yeah, that's kind of what you deserve for making me want to read a novel. And I thought, oh, that's a good one. A lot of people are like, yeah, I give it a lot of value. <clears throat> but like the gift is really good. But I feel like people lack the wrapping of the thing. And I was talking about this today with a coach. I'm going to tell the story that Hormuzi told, which was uh, the ham and the garlic. So it's about this kid that has a dog with fleas, right? So he's complaining to his grandma. Look, Abuelita, like my dog has fleas. And the abuelita's like, oh, it just give garlic. Goes back tries to give him garlic, won't eat it. Then goes back to Abuelita. It's like, I didn't. I gave him the garlic, he didn't eat it. What do I do? And she says, Oh, will you just try to give him like that? You got to wrap it in ham. Wrap it in ham, and then he'll eat it. Goes back, wraps it in ham. Dog eats it, and then he doesn't have any fleas. I feel like as coaches, just people who want to get clients, like we're really good at the at the garlic part of it. Like, we know our stuff works because it's worked on us. Like we have evidence on that. But uh, it's the wrapping that needs a lot of. A lot of work, sometimes. How do you craft a good hook? Personally, I put a lot of work in hooks. Just how to make your your stuff interesting. I told this to a fitness coach the other day. Uh, I don't want to see any pictures of you at the gym. I want to see pictures of you at the beach, ride a motorcycle, drink a mojito or two, take your girlfriend out. Like just go travel the world and show that you're having fun. You don't sell fitness. You sell lifestyle. You sell lifestyle. And that is the wrapping. I feel like. Gifts are fine, and we've covered this on the podcast before. Like, go in as in depth as you want. Just don't do it on the first line. The first one has to be baity. Then you can go as in depth as you want. And I personally found that that works for the best for me. I launched an ad recently, which was the the hook that was this was kind of random, but it performed pretty well. The hook was, "You're not Alex Ramosi. Stop using his captions. Stop using his hooks. Because if he could be in somebody else's album, it shouldn't be in yours." Because that is his message, not yours. And my message is likes and cash, which was I built a lot of followers and I was broke. And you can follow me if you like to see that. That wasn't intentional, but it kind of plays to the principles you taught me, which was go as broad as you can in the first one. You're you're free to go as deep as you can, just not in the first thing that the uh,
1: viewer sees. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I think that's part of you know our battle a lot of times too, is if we take on coaches who are in a more saturated market, um, you know, half the battle is finding an angle that makes you unique and kind of separates you from the pack. Because, like you said, you're not just selling, you're not just selling. For example, you know, Amazon FBA. You're not just selling fitness. You're not just selling, you know, how to build an agency. You're really selling what comes out of that. This is the actual lifestyle of it. I think um, for the fitness example, this Alex Feinberg does a good a good job on this. Um, he always just tweets out like the amazing food that he's eating. He's, like, always just tweeting out, I'm having steak tacos. Like, I'm having five guys. And everyone, he doesn't actually tweet out too much of him being at the gym. He tweets out most just food that he's eating. And everybody's like, damn, he's shredded. And he gets to eat the best food. Um, and that's what he's selling, right? He's selling the fact that you can eat the food that you like and still stay shredded year-round. Uh, that's really good. You like,
0: uh like, is in Hustlers University, like, kind of just start an agency? Or, like, is that
1: it? Pen- it's like, um... It, It's more like a 101, it has like an intro course for every kind of online business, agency, dropshipping, trading, crypto, whatever.
0: Oh, okay. Well, it's like, you know, I didn't know anything about that. I just know that that's the garlic. The ham is you can be entertained in a Top G, on a Bugatti, and a bunch of models
1: in Europe. Now, that's what you lead with, the ham. (laughs) Yes. That that actually reminds me, I I wanted to ask you... um, You know, as someone who just started a coaching, I would say just started relatively soon within a year, right? Um, Is there anything you do differently from now to when you started? Um, You know, knowing what you know now, what would you change? Is there anything you do differently in your approach, maybe to grow faster because you grew pretty fast, or was this just something you would do different in general? Yeah.
0: The main one was recently in July, we kind of had a shitty month, like a really bad month. And I, it was because we needed to take one step back because we went too fast and we skipped steps that we shouldn't have skipped. Just the basics, man, like the fundamentals. Who's our niche? Who's our target market? Who are we going for? What? And the main one I'd say if I could just to anybody who's like, hey, I want to know the answer to this question was when we had a coaching call with this guy called um, Tanner. Tanner's a style consultant. And the way he figures out your style is by asking you kind of deep questions about yourself. And then to the style, it's not about like your skin color or whatever, but yourself. He asked someone, why would someone buy from you instead of the competition? And he just was fumbling. He couldn't answer. And I was like, oh, that's easy. And I was like, I don't have an answer. Uh, like a succinct, very short answer that like hits. I didn't have that. And that's when it kind of was visible to this is why you had a shitty July. If you can't answer that, how do you expect anybody or your closer to answer that, which was kind of a wake up call. That was the main one differentiation. Maybe I'd say not skipping steps and figuring that fundamental step out. If you're listening right now, you're a coach and you're like, okay, well, why would someone pick you? Over anybody else, and if you don't know that answer, then don't do anything else until you know that answer, and then you can keep going. That's what I would do differently. It's actually just the fundamentals. Yeah, why?
1: I like that, and you know, I feel like uh, a lot of success we've had with the coaches, with coaches, and um, especially on on X, it's just having them differentiate from all of the Lambo guru hustle mindset people. Um, and just having them differentiate and target a, a higher tax bracket, essentially, uh, and, and more so show that, you know, they're spending time with their families and they're, you know, spending time with their wife and they're actually golfing and they're being pretty much grown ass men because I think the market is extremely filled with people. And it's funny because maybe we align on this. I know you don't accept people with Lambo profile pictures. Oh, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't even take the call. We just canceled. Yeah. So we, we're, we're kind of, we're almost similar in that in, that's, in that sense. Uh, most of our clients are uh, 35 year old men and older with at least three kids and a wife. So I don't know how it happened. It just did. It may be because I don't have a Lambo, <laughs> but it's uh, it, it's just you know marketing that lifestyle. It's really hitting a, a target audience of unserved people. There's a lot of 30 plus year old men who are doing well in their nine to five or already did well in their nine to five or already did well in their entrepreneurial career. And now they want to get into a coaching space so they can spend more time with their family. And there's a lot of people like that. And then there's a lot of people who just want to start a side hustle so they can spend more time with their family. There's a lot of people who want to do fitness so that they can literally spend more time with their family forever, right? So yeah. you are targeting if you're targeting that market, uh, you're selling that dream. And I think that's how we've differentiated a lot of our clients. And maybe you could help uh, some of your 30-plus-year-old men clients with that. Yeah, a, a bunch of our clients are older, like they're they're thirty plus, which is interesting
0: because me, we're twenty five and twenty three. Yeah, I'm twenty three. Yeah, you you had something, to Last time we stopped recording on the podcast, we just went on a riff and it was so good. I want to kind of yeah. bring it back, but you you said something really cool. Uh, I don't know if it was there, but I thought it was really relevant to anybody who's kind of a coach. You said, "Don't call yourself a coach or not a coach. It's got a bad connotation." You want to talk about that one?
1: Yeah. And I, I think it's, um, not that it's saturated. It's just not everybody wants a coach, right? Not everybody wants to be coached. Some people want to be consulted. Some people want to be educated and some people just want to take a course. Right. And it's not, it's, and it's the it's same the, thing. It's the, it's the same thing to us because we're the marketers. But it's the packaging, right? It's the ham. And if you have garlic, you can wrap it in ham. You can wrap it in bacon. You can wrap it in beef. You can wrap it in chicken. And some people like chicken and some people don't eat ham because some people are fucking Muslim, right? So like you need to literally change the wrapping for different people. And that's important. So for me, if you go to my website, it says coaches, educators, coaches, course creators and something else maybe, right? If you eat- Was it measures? It might be mentors. I I split tested it. So it's, I've done mentors. I've done gurus. I've done educators. I took out gurus. I got bad feedback. Uh, mentors, I didn't feel like I tar- you don't target enough people. I don't think a lot of people, I think a lot of people are looking for mentors. I don't think a lot of mentors are calling themselves mentors. So that's why I took out mentors. Um, and I, I stuck on educators because I actually talked to some people who are out there in the info space creating courses. And they he said, I'm an educator. So I, I went with that. Why not guru? Um, so guru is interesting one because it targets the people who we just talked about the Lambo go, the Lambo guys um, and I think the reason I had done it was a reverse psychology play people don't want to be called guru so that's why I put it because if they think it's them they might be more likely to watch my VSL uh, I took it out because I just don't think enough people identify as a guru to care um, so and I also think there's like a it was it was trying I was trying to play a, a reverse psychology thing on the negative connotation but I just don't think it's worth it. Nice. About like calling yourself something, something I
0: thought kind of hurt somebody's brand was when they said, I target dot, 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 four, six, and seven figure entrepreneurs. Like you and I are one of those. I don't think of myself as an X figure entrepreneur. I'm just like a dude running a program, you know? So I feel like having that, it's kind of just a little thing, but having that at the end, I don't think it helps you. As it doesn't help when you have four busy people. Dennis said a really good point about this, Dennis Demori. He said, Everybody thinks they're busy. Adding that is literally just wasting pixels in your screen. So don't target four busy people. I thought that was smart.
1: I do think that's interesting. And on the on that last point, just to wrap a wrap a bow on it, um, two other that I had thought of. One was experts. And I saw I had seen an ad, somebody said experts, and the, the last one would be influencers. And I think this one's interesting and it's, it's important because I think a lot of influencers are starting courses or some sort of education business on the side. Uh, people who already have an audience but don't know how to monetize it. So I think, I think there's a lot of influencers that are kind of getting into the space. Um, so I, I think that one's good. I've, I've actually spoken to a handful of influencers, you know, hundreds of thousands on YouTube that just have no idea what they're doing in an in, in online business, but they're really great at creating content, All right? So um, that, one's, that one's interesting. Send them over. Yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I got what you. we do. <laughs> Dude, I don't like being
0: called an influencer. I think it's so yeah. crazy. Like I would never refer to myself as, I'm an influencer, right? But it's kind of hard. Like I have a friend and he's, a, he's my DM appointment setter. And when he tries to explain it to people, it's kind of hard because he'll explain it the best he can. And people go, Oh, so you're, um, you're a community manager. Like, no, dude, I'm not a community fucking manager. Right. And I'll try to explain what I do. So you're like, and people go, Oh, JK. So you're like, that's kind of an influencer, right? I'm like, no, I'm not a fucking influencer. Like, I don't like the term. It's, <laughs> it's, it's lame. But like I, I, I heard a Lobo tweet. I, I, it said, um, I don't create content, creating content's lame. I'm not here to create content. I'm here to spread a message. Like, oh that's nice that's that was that's that's cool that's cool that's cool <laughs> it's kind of cool though. <laughs> all yeah that is cool you know what well, uh, I your under- message my message likes in cash every, every time I like think about okay what am I going to talk about today when I think about creating content I create
1: complete garbage but when I think about how do I spread my message a different way it's just a different theme that's funny I, and I like that. I actually had that exact question to myself the other day I was like I don't want to create anything today, but it, I, I asked myself a different question about it different than the message. I said, how can I help the people who I want to work with today? So I thought that was interesting. And I landed on some interesting, completely different answers than maybe how, how can I spread my message or how can I create content? It was how can I help my target audience today? Which I thought answers? that was an interesting one. Which answer is like, can
0: you give an example of that before and after how it changed it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So for me, like, how can I create content? I landed on a lot of stuff like, um, how to get, how can I get engagement? How can I ask questions to get replies? How can I write a viral hook? That's where I land there. When it's, how can I spread my message? I land on very philosophical, uh, content, things like how can I talk about the education space? How can I talk about, um, creating courses? How can I talk about the gurus? How can I talk about ego, which we'll get into? Um, that's where that's where I land when it's, how can I spread my message? And then the next one, when it's, how can i help my target audience it's more tactical how can i build a crm how can i use how can i use software to help me create tweets how can i how can i go viral and attract leads at the same time right those are that's how i land on that um so maybe we should be asking all three when we create content and have a split but i thought it was interesting
0: i like i like the kind of things we're talking about here which is the answers you get really depend On the quality of the questions you ask. How do I get clients? Wrong question. How do I get proof as a beginner? The right question. How do I create content as a creator? Wrong question. How do I spread my message? Right question. How do I get leads? Wrong question. How do I get, how do I help my target audience today? Great question. It's about what you ask yourself. And eventually that that leads to a lot, which is, I had this before in in my whiteboard. I, I change it to our likes cash just to, you know, be on brand. But I, I had on my whiteboard, I write down product. And the reason why I write product, it's because I once heard a podcast from Shan Puri he said, I'm really concerned with founders. Cause I will ask them how much money they're making. And they don't really know. Well, I was asked them how much they made last month. They don't really know. And I thought, man, these guys are not making the main thing, the main thing. Now this was another niche. This was like e com or something. But that really resonated with me. And I thought, what is the main thing? right? Like When it comes to this coaching thing, what is the main thing? Is it marketing? Is it sales? And I landed in product. I think product is the main thing. When I focused on marketing, I had my worst months. When I focused on product, I had my best months. I created less content even. I would create work for my clients. And those became the master classes that you see on YouTube. And I said... I told my editor, bro, I didn't have any time to record a YouTube video, but can you just take this and upload it? He didn't edit it much, boom, most viewed video ever. And I thought, that's when it really crystallized for me. What is the main thing as a coach? It's not sales, it's not marketing, it's product. It's making your stuff create results. You take care of that, and then even though it might be longer term, the sales cannot take care of themselves because people tell others about you.
1: That's interesting. It's funny because I got asked recently by someone who's helping me that I know who's a a very large agency owner. And he had asked me, what do you think you're doing wrong? Or what do you think is like the highest leverage thing you can be doing? Um, And I was thinking about it. Actually, he had asked me what behaviors do I think I should be changing? And I, I had answered, I think having a bursting pipeline has a ripple effect on my business. And I think it would be smart to have a bursting pipeline to improve all assets all facets of my business. And he actually told me he thinks that's a misdiagnosis and that what I should be f- focused on behaviorally is just improving the results that I get my clients at all times. And I thought that was an interesting misdiagnosis by me as a, maybe someone who's lower down the pipeline. I was just thinking to myself, man, I should have a bursting pipeline so I can get in higher quality clients and I can have the leverage. And he was like, no, just focus on getting results, product, product and results. And that's pretty much it. It's like, good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Those are a few of the things that a lot of the people I really look up to because a lot of the people I look up to, they have like different views on what they want to do. One guy just wants to disappear forever and have like three wives in his warm compound and the other dude wants to be a trillionaire. It's like, it's very different, you know? But like one thing that a lot of people do agree on is good dope sells itself. Focus on the product and the rest comes.
1: Um, easy. This it's interesting. Actually, this is um. It's funny when you said the different goals. It reminded me of, I was talking to my girlfriend about this, and I was thinking about marketing, and I was thinking about how we use we use a lot of numbers in our marketing, right? Thirty k a month, a hundred k a month, two hundred k a month, whatever. And I was thinking to myself, I don't think because I try to think to myself, you know, last year, right? I don't think people at a certain level can perceive the difference between a hundred k a month and two hundred k a month, or. 200k a month and 500k i just don't think they can perceive the difference and i think that's interesting from a marketing perspective um especially for coaches who are listening to this consultants etc uh i don't think people and i think we actually spoke about this before mr beast had said that people can't perceive the difference in his title if he says i'm giving away a hundred thousand or i'm giving away a million there's no difference in performance because people cannot perceive the difference a hundred thousand is just as far away to them Even though it's 10 times the size, right? Like me and you can perceive that, right? But the average human cannot. And I think that's interesting from a marketing perspective. And you said some friends have a trillion dollar goal and some people just want to go away on their mountain and snipe deers and have lives and all this stuff. Yeah. I don't, it's a good point. It's a good point. I feel
0: like when you, when you have certain ranges sound the same. So one to 3 million, like one million, two million. Three million is kind of the same, but like four, five, and six million kinda sound like the same quantity. Yeah. Even though it sounds stupid. But it kinda sounds like the same quantity. Now, four to five million is not much of a difference. Five to six million doesn't sound like much of a difference. But when you go to seven, somehow is it seems so much more. I don't 10. Know, it's kinda weird. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, might as well be ten. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like also a good, a good, um, a good kind of segue on raising prices when you raise prices it's not the slide like the number it's kind of the the mental range that we have as long as it feels the same you can raise it so it's like if you're charging four you can probably get away with charging six like, if you're charging seven you can probably get away with charging nine as long as it
1: feels the same you know what I mean yeah well that's interesting too because especially in high ticket info businesses I think um for example there's always there should be a chart on this we should maybe we should collab and make one i think there's a pricing model here and i think we could get data on it but i think if you're going to sell at that 5k price point right you're better off going to 4800 than being at 5k because you're going to get so many extra sales by anchoring it down to that four number than the five number it's going to sound so much lower than five but if you were to go to 5200 you would sell significantly less than 4800 and the difference would not be worth it. That extra $400 would not, you wouldn't recoup that. And I think there's a model of pricing, whereas if you're a 5K offer, you should be at 4800 And I think after 5K, you should probably go up to 6800 or something of that, rather than like, you have you ever heard someone selling their course for 5200 There's a reason you're, you haven't. It's because it's just, it's anchored up above. It's like, oh, it's over 5K. Whereas 4,800 is like, that's oh, 4K. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think there's some sort of pricing model there to think about. And I'd love to see it like visualized. Yeah, I like I like that
0: one too. We charged um, back at the day 98 hundred instead of 10k because it's like dropping 10k. It's like uh, but 98 hundred totally cool. Don't worry about it. I'm that's good. <laughs> <clears throat> right, let's me. talk about
1: the iceberg.
0: Yes. So-, so we we stopped the podcast the last time before we talked about the iceberg, but I was asking you. What do you
1: not share? And then you said, I think about it like an iceberg. And I'll let you take it from here. Yeah. So what had got me thinking about this, and this was maybe a month or two ago, and this is, this is why I consume intentionally, right? Kind of. So on YouTube, there's a really viral video. I don't know what you would call it, trend. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this saw it. Is uh, is the iceberg trend. So what this video is, and there's a, uh, many videos going viral like this, it's called iceberg and it'd be very long form videos, 30 to 45 minutes. It would go deep on a topic. So let's just call it the uh, the JK Molina iceberg, right? It would start at the top and it would go information that most people know. And then it would go one layer deeper information that some people know, but not a lot. And then it would keep going deeper to the point where it would be at the very bottom and it'd be talking about the Guatemalan Federation of Volleyball and all of this stuff. Like you have to be a deep JK Molina fan to know about that, right? So... What that did, it, was, it just had a lot of people going on these deep, long-form content consumption binges. And JK had asked me, what, you know, what do you give away? And I, I was like, I think of it like an iceberg. The tip of the iceberg, the stuff above water, is the stuff I give away for free. And then it goes much deeper And that stuff. Maybe I give away on the sales call the next layer. And then if it's a longer sales cycle, like three or four, throughout two or three calls, I'll give them away deeper. And then my actual clients kind of get the deepest. Uh, JK said he flips the iceberg and I'll let you take that away. Yeah, I said, I look at it the opposite way. I flip it, which I kind of changed my
0: mind. And during this week, what I'll get into that. I said, yeah, yeah. But it's like, yeah. But it's like, I flip it because I kind of give most of it away and only charge for the things that I think, if they are public, they will get ruined. Especially in my business, it's a lot of scripts. It's a lot of just very tactical things that really work well. But then if everybody uses it, they stop working well. Like, for example when um there was one time when Alex popularized the sentence in order to get someone to move forward in a sale you say would you be opposed to and then when anybody said it you were like "Ah, dude I know you watched a hormonal video like fuck off right but I just don't give away the things that people can just copy and paste and and give away now I actually have a kind of a different take so I give away (laughs) literally everything like On my YouTube, a bunch of them are just recordings from the, from the high ticket thing. So I'm, so some people say like, give away the secrets, sell the implementation. I think give away everything, sell the personalization. What I mean by this, people want to hear what you would do if it were them. So this guy, John Constance, he's really good at, uh, healing gut help. He'll tell you which supplements you can take, um whatever. But he's not giving you which brands. He's not giving you what the dose should be for you. It is the personalization that has value. Every time we are on a coaching call, I'm very careful not to give stuff that I have written before. So people would ask me a question. I will never respond with a high-level answer. Example, if you ask me, what's your content? Um, If you ask me, do you have any advice for content? I would say, yeah, man, start with a broad hook and then you just niche down and be real related to your story. But if you were a coaching client, what I would ask is actually say, "Well, let's just revisit a thread. Can you send me a thread, and then I will rewrite them right there for them." So it is the personalization that people want. It is not what can you do, but can you do it for me that people want to see. This was really evident with Tanner, the style guy. He held a masterclass for style and you could feel like people were kind of like kind of drifting off through the middle of it when they were asking questions you know how sometimes you ask a question and you're like uh okay makes sense and people go oh yeah totally makes sense but you can see in their eyes that it didn't make any fucking sense yeah so yeah so he asked that makes sense they're like yeah and i said tanner um actually can you go to his instagram and see like what style would you recommend to them it's like oh sure he went there when he gave the style recommendations, their mind was blown away. They were like, oh my God. You know how sometimes on calls you go with, hey guys, anybody got any question? And nobody asks a question. The next question after he gave an example that was personalized, everybody was like, bro, can you do it for me? Can you do it for me? Can you do it for me? So you give away everything, but you sell the personalization. That's my personal
1: philosophy to coaching at least. I like that. That's interesting. I feel like the way I've always looked at it is, the tip of the iceberg is just the things that people care about, and then the rest is the stuff that people care about if they pay me. <laughs> it's, it's. But now that I think about it, when you mentioned the personalization, is like once they get on a sales call with us, you know, a lot of the times we're showing them case studies, and it's usually you know we use this script and this outreach method and this strategy and this content, uh, but we'll customize it for you. Right. Like we're going to do this for you. It's like, it's not like they can take the people can't take the sales call and get all the information and then just take, take it and do it themselves. Right. They can't, it's not, it's not possible that what we do for them is personalize a re- replicable strategy, right? That's kind of the whole point. So I, I didn't think of it that way, but now that you say it, I realize that's what, that's a lot of what we do. It's just, it's really just customizing uh, a proven strategy, which is what you're doing. Right. People want to see it.
0: Like, what would it look like for them? There's a reason why these AI tools. Remember, there was one where you kind of uploaded some headshots, and it pointed you as like as an astronaut and a desert cowboy and all
1: that I stuff. People it. love that, right? <laughs> yeah, you, but dude, you had you had like two or three profile pictures on my first, first 10k one. followers. I had an AI profile picture. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there you go. People love to see it when you would do it for them, and this is also kind of a good point for retention. Like people don't want to hear what's already in the portal. People don't want to hear what you already posted. People are like, I paid you. What you would do if you were me? That That's what I want. And I think that's, that has a lot of value. Like get people, when people ask you a question, that extra effort of asking them, can you clarify? Or where do you want this to be applied? Can I see it? And doing it for them,
1: miles better reception. It's like night and day. It's great. Speaking of, um, if you would do it, you know, if you were me, I wanted to talk about this whole, this ego dilemma. And I had seen, cause I keep seeing people, it was blowing up last week, but we'll talk about it now. Um, other, I don't know why it was going viral, but a bunch of people were tweeting that, you know, M- Howard Mosey and Brunson and Becker, a lot of these people were saying, um, to give it away for free, as you said. Or some of them were saying, uh, don't build a personal brand because you know 99% of business owners are, are nobodies, right? I think Alex Becker had made the analogy that if you go and open your fridge or you open your cabinet, go and name the founder of any of those products. You can't, hundreds of them. Can you name any of them? No. Do any of them have personal brands? No. So he was saying that and then the, the rebuttal by all the people who are doing 50 to 100K a month because they're so smart now. The 100K a monthers are geniuses because they're 100K a month, right? They were saying, oh, well, you built your fortune with a personal brand. Now you're telling people not to. Like, why would I listen? And I think there's a, it's a fallacy because I think, you know, if you, the point of having a mentor, right, is that they tell you to do what they think is right based on their experience, not just what they did. Right. And I think that's a, a, there's a straight line of thinking where people think I want a mentor just to tell me what they did. And it's not always that easy because at a certain level, your problems are less relatable. I remember you had said that to me. And I think you can't just have a mentor that's just going to tell you what they did, copy-paste, because they did it at a different time in a different landscape, right? If you told me what you did when you started ghostwriting two years ago and I go and do it now, do you think it's going to work the same? No. I want you to tell me what's best for me, right? If I'm a coach, I want you to tell me what's working now, not what worked for you a year ago. So I thought that was interesting. And I, I think there's a problem with a lot of people getting big, big. They'll get to like, you know, their first 50K 100k sometimes even 10k a month and you get an ego and i think we both dealt with it because i've got i had an ego and you know you always get an ego at every new level it's important to be have humility because there's always someone bigger than you and always someone that wants what's best for you i think a lot of people get a little bit of success and they just think they're always right i don't know if you have any thoughts on that if you've struggled with ego on any of this Uh, all the time yeah and i I got to tell you how i kind of like
0: you know i'm i'm not the i'm not humble right but i'm like I'm humbler than I was yesterday. So I'm trying, right? I'm, I'm actually, trying. but, um, I like that because, and I don't know why this came to mind when you were saying that, but like, I was watching the last dance, you know, the Jordan documentary, mm-hmm. Jordan's play style changed from the first year in the NBA to the last. So the first year in the NBA, you know, what kind of got people got into people's radar. Is that he used to just go in the middle of a double team, triple team, and just force a play and score? Mm-hmm. Like he would just brute force it, right? If you see his plays at the, you know, the 97, 98 season, he took more shots. He used to shoot more instead of just trying to dunk all the time. And maybe it's because he learned a different approach to the game. Maybe he just learned that that was more effective. And if he said, and you got to dunk for the entirety of your three times, and then you take a break, and you go to play baseball, and then you come again, and you play basketball. Like, what? If, what if he just, you know, instead of telling you how to start from his step zero, he just gave you how to start from his step seven, which was the seventh championship, right? And then you can start from there. I value that a lot. It's it's way better. Uh, and I, when people tell me, it's like it's you said. I just don't see, I just don't find a way to thoroughly articulate it. And I think I found one, which was people just cannot stand when somebody changes their mind. Changing your mind is forbidden. It's like, that's not how it should be. The other day I said, and with all due respect, uh, because, you know, you're my homie, so you could take it. But like, I let of look at it. And I'm like, don't hire a ghostwriter. Jakey, I this I fucking that. sellout. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Like... Dude, you're the horrible. You're you're a horrible person. I'm mean, like, maybe I changed my mind, dude. Like, have you thought about it? Have you played? Some people just can't stand when somebody changes their mind because they are so quick to put you in a box. This person thinks like this. This person makes this much money. This person is annoying. And if he does something that's out of the goodwill of his heart, then that's not him. He was possessed by somebody because he is annoying and he's a bad person. People cannot
1: stand it when you change your mind. I think it's, you know, and I want to say this in a way that doesn't come off as rude, but it's like, it's hard to think in a way that you don't put, when you put people in boxes and everything is straightforward, black and white, it's easier to think that way. I think either some people aren't smart enough to critically think their way out of that situation because people are like, JK was a ghostwriter. Now he must be advocating for ghostwriters for the rest of humanity. for the rest of human time. What does that even mean? Like, take a step back and use some critical thinking skills, or right? You can change your mind, right? So, hey, man,
0: there's a big misconception we have. We should, uh, like, you should stop us. Two misconceptions. If somebody has a big account, stop assuming they have money. Like, That's not true. And the second one is just because somebody's an entrepreneur, that does not mean that they're, they're not retarded. So
1: let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> like, it's true, man. Come on. It's true. And you had mentioned the you had mentioned the Jordan thing, and I want to make another analogy with with Ronaldo, because Ronaldo, for you know his first five years at Manchester United and Sporting, he was no he was a left mid, and he was he was known for doing every skill move, every step over, every rainbow, every crazy move in the book. Right? When he went to Real Madrid, he actually had an injury, he had to he had to essentially change his game, and he became more of a striker, more of a goal scorer, an aerial threat. Much more efficient, and he broke all of the records he had had previously set for himself. And now that would be like going to Ronaldo and saying, "Well, you did every trick, flick, and rainbow in the book, but now you're telling me that I should be, uh, you know, an efficient striker and score more goals." He found what the better solution. You don't. He wants better for you. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like that's kind of the same exact thing. It's like you go up to, you know, if if Hormozzi says, "Give everything away for free," and then. What had people were saying is that oh he made all his money in direct response. Don't listen to him. It's a different landscape, right? You're, you're talking about 2016 when ClickFunnels was brand new, right? Like the market is much more aware of the average direct response ClickFunnel. It is. So it's just it's much different. The content landscape and you know Ty Lopez had said this because Ty Lopez says he was the fir- he was the first wave of kind of internet influencer entrepreneur, right? And then now we're in the second wave, and he said there's going to be a third wave. Where everybody overtakes everybody you know now, all these new people in a few years are going to take over everyone you know right now because this isn't the real. This isn't the third wave. And I think about that. I'm like, what would you just do? What Ty Lopez did in 2015? It's not going to work the same, right? If you go make that same ad, it's just not going to work anymore. He's like, would you would you be mad at him for telling you not to do that and instead to do something that's going to work now? So we'll leave it at that. It's just uh, I think you know, humbling thyself. But also just having the critical thinking skills to realize that people change their mind and under different landscapes, there's different answers. I want to I wanna add up to that, and then I'll ask
0: you a question about this because I do think that you got you got humbler ever since we started talking. I feel like this is good. like I, you were like humble, and then you got kind of cocky, and then you're like humble again. So like I like you more now. This <laughs> is real talk. But uh, one thing I'll add is I read a lot of. So the question is, okay, well, if these gurus, educators might not be the way they are, and they're not teaching me what I want, like, who do I listen to? And personally, I found a lot of value from reading foundational books, just the basics, the really fundamentals. I'm like the astrology equivalent of business books, man. Like I will read Influence by Cialdini, and they're like, people are more willing to treat you well if you treat them well first. I'm like, oh my God, so true, bestie, like the real <laughs> <laughs> for sake, I'll I'll read um uh, uh Claude Hopkins, which by the way he's like my favorite dude in advertising. I love Claude, uh, his books. So it's like there's a lot of value in being specific about what you offer. Uh, oh my god, so wise, so true, bro. For real, like all these foundational things. And even though they might promise different things, these gurus, they still stick to the fundamentals, which is why I don't read Twitter anymore. I don't I don't read really like Instagram. Like, tactics, because they're going to be here for like a month or so. You want the fundamentals. So some good books that I maybe would recommend that one that I personally read, so it's not like something I read off a list. Biographies, biographies always rock. I'm reading Red Notice and uh, I read Red Notice and Eleven Rings by Phil Jackson. Awesome. Scientific advertising is kind of heavy. My Life in Advertising by Claude Hopkins is exceptional. I think that is, if you're like, can. Can you still see me? Yes. Shh, I, shh, my light went off. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, Look, I've just been game and just the Guatemalan people just don't want me to spit game. They want to keep us in just a fucking third world country. They the want to keep you with the matrix, bro. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, yeah. They're, they're coming for me. Um, okay, so anyway, those books are really good. Uh, and uh, my life and advertising is good because it's just an easy read. It teaches you a lot. Like the M&M story. Did you, did you know the ad that went, made M&M go ballistic? Have you heard about that ad? Eh? No. So that ad was, M&M used to be a war candy. And soldiers had it in the trenches because they gave you energy and they tasted good. The guy loved M&M so much, the soldier. He comes back to America. He goes to an agency, an advertiser, and he says, well, I have this candy. i like to just promote it. And he asked, what's special about this candy? Uh, well, it's good. Let's give you energy. We used it in the war. He's was like, ah, okay. He was kind of fishing for a big idea. A big idea is like essentially in all of advertising. But there was one point at it which he said, you know, the cool thing about these candies is that they melt, they don't melt, hold on, they melt in your mouth, but they don't melt in your hand. And that was the ad. That became the headline. These, these chocolates, they don't melt in your hand, but they'll melt in your mouth. And that's what made M&M's like, just blow it off, right? Yeah, that's really good. I know, right? Uh, I'm a sucker for these big ideas. I, I'll do another one and then I'll go back to the point. But it's like, I'm a sucker for going over products and thinking, what is the big idea? The reason why I bought my my watch, I'm not a watch guy, but I bought an $8,000 watch. It's the Omega Speedmaster because it's the first watch that went to the moon. Which by the way, the moon landing didn't happen, but it's just still a good idea. Uh-huh. i <laughs>
1: That's funny because okay. the watch on the watch that's in a I have a collection uh, folder of watches that I want to add to my one day collection. They're just then I don't really have like cool watches or sorry I don't have like crazy expensive ones. It's just cool ones, and one of them is the tag. I don't. I'm gonna butcher it. Tag Hewer, uh, Tag Hewer SpaceX 1887 limited edition, and it's really cool because it has like a SpaceX uh, rocket blueprint on it. So it's funny that we we aligned on that with watches. But oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the
0: last big idea that I wanted to talk about is, bro. Did you know that bone broth has eighty calories and nineteen grams of protein? No, I did not know that, dude. Is that not crazy? That's the that's <laughs> the golden nugget from this podcast, dude. Yeah, I know, right? So, like, I was thinking, dude. Like, this guy. I don't know if you're you're seeing this, Justin. Mayors, Justin Mayors, you own Kettle and Fire, which is a DDC e commerce brand. I've been trying to follow you, but you're just like, everything's private, so I can't message you. But, dude, your headline should be more protein than a shake, less calories than a shake, with none of the artificial bullshit of a shake. That's what your headline should be. Justin, DM me. Uh, Let's hook up.
1: beginning of case, new agency.
0: Yeah, this, yeah. It's like, dude, it's like, dude, when I tell people about that, the 19 grams and 80 calories, they go, Dude, no way. I'm like, yeah, yes, okay. one. Yeah, I know. I'm going to get some fucking bro breath. Let's go. Anyway, back to the point. You said ego, right? And I felt like you got you were really humble. You got cocky, and then you got humble again. I'm like, I'm progressively trying to go down. Sometimes I go, ah, I'm just a fucking mess. But what was one point at which you got humbler? How did you get humbler?
1: I think moving... Uh, for, you know, I'm doing a five to six month stint in Indonesia right now. And meeting people outside of the United States and outside of the little business bubble we're in uh, made me humble. You, you meet people that are just, and you might, maybe you already have this around you, but you meet people who are much happier than you with much less. And uh, for example, I got a coconut water delivery because we're so cool and he was waiting we had we had our phones off because we we're, were working he was waiting outside for like 20 minutes with our coconut water just standing there just waiting and we had I felt so bad and I tried to give him a tip uh, or sorry I, I overpaid him and he then waited outside for 10 more minutes just waiting to give us our money back instead of just taking the extra like 2 US dollars basically and <laughs> Then I tried to give it him as a tip and he just refused so heavily and he was so happy. And we have people that come by and clean our pool and stuff and they're always so happy. Uh, And this past weekend, for example, I was in Thailand. I just got back yesterday and we were in Chiang Mai and we did this cooking class with these locals and they took us into their home and they cooked for us and they were so happy just like on their little farm, cooking rice, cooking pad thai, all these things. And they were telling us how lucky we were to be able to travel and go to other countries. They were like, we saved up for so long and we were able to go to Cambodia, which is the country right next to Thailand. And that's the only other country they'd been. And they were telling us how lucky we were. And it's like, we are lucky. And because uh, you can travel at 10K a month. You could travel at 5K a month. You could travel at 3K a month. You know, we're hitting like 50, 60, 70, 100, 200. We're like, oh, I need more. I need more. You don't need more. <laughs> you, you just don't need more. Uh, so if you is really it's been really grounding the last four months and we've been to Singapore and, and we're gonna we're gonna go to Cambodia or sorry Vietnam and all these places um, so I would say it's made me I, felt, I feel more worldly but I also feel more humble and I don't I don't ever want to take anything for granted right because my business cuts in half today you know what I mean like I'm still just like still so fortunate so um, leaving New York City is part of that <laughs> so um, that, that's my answer that was beautiful it reminds
0: me one one time I went to the, I was like 15 or 16. We used to run these campaigns in which we installed wooden stoves. No, stone stoves in the middle of like Guatemala just like nowhere, right? One time we drew 11 hours. It was kind of this valley, right? It was kind of like a bowl, right? And we would go in the mountains, no Wi-Fi, no electricity, no nothing. But we would just go there and install the stoves and a solar panel so they could have some light. Right? Just a small solar panel with a few light bulbs. I remember I was complaining, man, because it was cold. I was tired. I was sweaty. I was dirty. And I thought, you know what? Fuck this. I don't want to be here. And I remember right when we were saying that, the kid goes to the solar panel. It finally starts working. He turns the light on. Now, mind you, this is like dirt floors. Like the walls are just like corn. Sticks, just kind of like wrapped up together with a string. That was the house, right? They cooked in the same place, which is not a stove, by the way. It's just like wood and fire. In the same place they slept. It's soot all over the the um, the roof. And when we turned that light on, the kids just kind of started screaming. Some started crying, and they said, "Mom, mom, look at the light. We're rich. We're rich." And i felt like such a bitch. that's when i felt like so small i thought too why am i complaining about this thing you realize that you your world becomes kind of what what you consume becomes your world so if you're just in a little tiny internet space that becomes your world and then you measure success by their metrics what if those are not your metrics what if you use the real metrics which was do you have somewhere to eat do you have somewhere to shower do you have I don't know your family with you. Can you do things? I just felt like such a bitch, man. To be honest, that's what kind of made me see. Wow, I really have everything. I don't. There's no need to brag. No, no way.
1: Yeah, and I think once you learn, once you figure that out, you quickly have to shift your drive because if it's not money, it needs to be something else quick, or you're gonna fall off. Uh, so I like having. I think it's it's good to be mission driven. What's uh, yours? Um, our mission is to essentially help fix the education space. Uh, when, when I started, I started at 19 and I, I didn't meet you until I was 24, right? So I went through five years of courses, trials, tribulations, trials, and errors. I went through so many courses, so many failures. I'm not saying the courses were all bad, but some of them definitely were. There's scammers, there's gurus, there's all this stuff. It's very hard and there's beginners listening to this. It's very hard to trek through the amount of information and info products out there. Um, and I think our mission is to bring the good ones to light, uh, and help get those to more people. Cause you know, a lot of people buy one course and then they quit for the rest of their life. Cause if someone saves up for a year and they buy your course and you were uh, a scammer, right? They're done. They're discouraged. They're done. That's the rest of their life. So, uh, I see, I see us as controlling a lot of that space and we can control essentially a ripple effect. A lot of people's lives that way. That's way deeper than I thought. I like it.
0: Sorry. <laughs> no, I was like, "What's what's he gotta say?" I, I was curious about it. I like it. Yeah. I'll, I'll share mine some other day. I got, I got to still kind of think about
1: water. This pod was a roller coaster. <laughs> this is a roller coaster pod. I don't know how we got here, but I'm glad we did. <laughs> yeah, me too.